Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus doesn't mince words with the Jews in the Gospel reading today. Anyone who ever thinks that Jesus was just this nice guy going around giving out hugs and candy canes to people has clearly never read this text, or other places too. Our Lord tells these people that they are deadly wrong when it comes to who they think they are and how they view him, Jesus. And he shows us that the devil is the father of those who reject Christ and his word. It's always been that way. Still is that way today. If God is not your father, well, the devil is. And your whole life is lived in the kingdom of lies. Seeing this harsh reality, God's people then cry out, we cry out, vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man deliver me, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. And so St. John records for us here, kind of towards the end, getting of John chapter 8, he said, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For, God, for I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Is it because you cannot bear to hear my word? You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. So from the get-go in our reading, when Jesus preaches to the people, he speaks the words of eternal life. Life and living forever are given through this word of Christ. He shows us that there's a connection between these things. And from that, then he expands on further and gets into this whole discussion. He says, he, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. People who are of God listen to the words of God. They hear the word of God. It's one of the reasons why we define the church in Article 7 of the Augsburg Confession. Our churches teach that the one holy church is to remain forever. The church is the congregation of saints in which the gospel is purely taught and the sacraments are correctly administered. God creates faith in Jesus through the word of God. Article 5 talks about that as well, through this uh, preaching of the gospel. There is no salvation apart from this word, apart from the church, because this is where salvation is given out through this means of grace, through this word of God. But these Jews don't want to hear it. They don't want to listen to Jesus. They want to insist on defining their standing with God on what they think about themselves, which in their case is according to birthright. John chapter 8 is all about this, whose son are you? And are you free or are you a slave? Earlier in John 8, we have, it's the gospel reading for Reformation Day. Jesus says, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin or practices sin is a slave to sin. But knowing Jesus, knowing the Son, you know the truth and the truth will set you free. So they think, though, that they can be a part of God's kingdom without hearing the words of Jesus, that they're entitled to it. And they're lying. They're lying if they think otherwise than what Jesus says. 
So Jesus here, he takes that in front of them and he crushes it. He crushes their whole worldview with his words. And calling them out for their rejection, showing them they are of the devil, he reveals their true nature. And it's quite something to see. Their response is similar to what we heard two weeks ago on Oculi Sunday when Jesus cast out a demon from a man who was, uh, who was possessed by a demon and was causing him to be mute. He couldn't speak. So when Jesus did that great thing, what did they say? Well, you, you're the casting out demons by Beelzebub, right? By the devil. And here today, again, they accuse Jesus of being unclean. You're a Samaritan. You have a demon. Being like toddlers, if you can't win an argument, you just resort to name-calling, right? Well, you just, you're of the devil, Jesus, then. Well, so there, right? So how does Jesus respond? By calling them a name? Well, no, by hitting them between the eyes. I do not have a demon, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. So the purpose then of this whole discussion, which lasts even longer than our gospel reading today, we have just a snippet, a part of it. It's not simply for Jesus to get them all riled up for no reason, say, I'm just going to stir up the pot here a little bit because I'm bored. No. He's teaching them, he's teaching us the implications of listening to his words and believing those words. So it's quite simple what Jesus says. Our whole text points to that verse when it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. It's a matter of life and death when it comes to hearing and keeping the word of God. There's no wiggle room in this truth that Jesus speaks. That language of keeping his word is actually believing it, not just paying lip service to it, not letting it go in one ear and out the other. It's clinging to, holding fast to, trusting, treasuring, not this knowledge, assent, and trust. It's the example of this faith that we see in the Old Testament reading. Here's Abraham. And he was told by God to sacrifice his only son. Now, obviously, a lot could be said about that whole instance there, just that fact of being asked to sacrifice a son. But for our consideration, we focus this morning on that fact that God spoke to Abraham. And what did Abraham do? He heard it, and he kept the word of God. He was going to sacrifice Isaac, and then at the last moment, God spared him. The angel of the Lord said to Abraham, do not lay your hand on the boy or do any harm to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Now this whole event of it's oftentimes called the sacrifice of Isaac, but I don't like to call it that, right? It's the near sacrifice of Isaac. He didn't sacrifice him. Kind of just being a particular words. But it's spoken of in numerous places in the Bible with the two primary ones that we see in the New Testament being in he- the book of Hebrews and the book of James. Hebrews 11, that great chapter of faith, tells us that Abraham considered that God was able even to raise Isaac from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So what Hebrews shows us as we look back on this text, hearing this now, is that Abraham actually believed in the resurrection. He believed that even if he would have shoved the knife into Isaac, his son, what would God do? Raise him from the dead. And we see little hints of that in that Genesis 22 reading. What does he say to the young men? We'll come back to you. He knows Isaac is coming back. He knows that God will provide the lamb for sacrifice. 
He has faith in that word of God, that God's promises were made to him, and even if his son were to be killed, God would stay true to his word. God would give him life. And in James 2, then, there is this whole discussion about those who have a dead faith versus kind of this saving faith that say just, I have faith, and really in their hearts they don't believe it. They don't believe what God says. Hypocrites is the term that Jesus uses. And people are not saved by their works. That's not what's being said. In this chapter of the Bible, though, James is speaking against that mindset of using faith as an excuse or a facade, a false front that is really a dead and false faith. Just trying to throw it out there like the Jews in the reading were. And so it's in that context that Abraham is mentioned in James 2 when James writes, Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son, Isaac, on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. He's saying, look, Abraham showed his faith publicly, even if it was just Isaac and him on the mountain. His faith was, in Christ was the, record, was the righteousness he had before the Father, but we see that it was manifested and made known the fruit of it was what he was doing. And so Jesus calls you to hear and to keep his word. The Jews didn't do this. The Messiah stood in their midst, and rather than bowing down, crying out for mercy, worshiping him, and seeing him as God, they say, you have a demon. And then they try to kill him, and they do kill him. So for us sitting here today, for you sitting here right now, hear what Jesus says. See this and be warned. The Christian faith is not a casual, cultural, or social thing. It's a life, a whole life, of hearing and keeping the word of God. We know that no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And the Bible teaches you that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith is a gift that God works in you. You cannot believe by your own reason or strength, but it's the Holy Spirit who calls you by the gospel. And Jesus also says, though, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So look at these people in John 8. Many of these Jews call God Lord, they put on a false front, but it was all empty. At the end of the day, their faith was in something. They had faith, faith in themselves, faith in their family line, their ancestors, their community, their way of life. But all of this is not of God. Jesus said, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him, I know him, and if I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar, like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Jesus teaches that he is the one in whom Abraham trusted. And what does Abraham have? He has life. And this angers them more. And finally, Jesus concludes by saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. 
he confesses that he is the one true God, whose name is the divine name revealed to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, the one who did all of these works and wonders in the Old Testament, God in the flesh. If anyone ever tries to tell you that Jesus never claims he's God in the Bible, they are absolutely wrong. This is one instance. John's gospel alone is riddled with it. He does it in numerous places. If you don't doubt that he's claiming that he's God, or not just claiming that he's saying that he is God, they wouldn't pick up stones to try to kill him. Only somebody who blasphemes is going to be stoned immediately. And Jesus, they want a stone. So dear people of God, take seriously what Jesus says to you this day. Hear this discussion with these people and examine your lives. Ask yourselves questions that may be tough at times. Who do I say that I am as a Christian? How am I a Christian? Why do I go to this church? Does it confess the truth or simply convenient or where I've always gone? When I hear God's word, do I care about keeping his word? Even if it means I must suffer for it or even go against my own family, my own friends, my own community, do I care about these things? Would I be one who would suffer all, even death, rather than go against God and his word, which we make at our confirmation vow? Is my life lived in accordance with God's word? Do I really keep the word of God? All of these things are things that we should ask ourselves, important questions. Because as much and many important things that we do have in life, it doesn't get any more important or serious in this life than the things of God. So look at God's word. Look at Jesus. Look at your sin and repent. You see that you have fallen short and that your motives, that your priorities, that all the reasons you may to try to drum up in your lives at one point or another, all the things you hear and live and keep and treasure, even on your best day, they're not fully with what God truly teaches and demands of you. Instead, repent and hear the one who alone says, Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And you see, God holds before you then another word. He shows you in this reading from Hebrews, he says, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Here's Christ. Here's Jesus, your high priest, who offered him up the sacrifice for your sin. And he's also the sacrifice himself. So for him to say the words give life, and you will never see death because he has taken on your sin. He's overcome death by his death. And he gives you instead his righteousness, life, redemption from sin, death, and the devil. He's brought you out of the devil's kingdom and into his kingdom, called you by name and baptism, and through faith in Christ, God, he is the one who is your father, not the devil. And so it's Jesus himself who speaks to you this day, and he delivers what he has done. 
He's accomplished salvation for you without any merit or worthiness on your part. He doesn't care who your blood relatives are or where you come from in this world, whether you live in Iowa, Ohio, or Africa. He doesn't, he doesn't place any part of that when it comes to looking at you in grace and mercy. And so when Jesus speaks to you, everything in his word is the truth. Even when he shows you your sin. Even when he speaks to these men, and is not very nice, but he does it because he would rather somebody be upset with him and turn from his sin and live than continue in his sin and go to hell. And your Lord's blood was shed for you. For we know that the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So hearing all of this, then, it's a wonderful thing to hear what Jesus says today in the gospel reading, to hear these words of Christ. And looking toward those events of Holy Week and Easter, Jesus lays before you the promise that you, you will not see death. Now, sure, in this life you may die a physical death, but you will live forever, even in death. Your soul will be with the Lord in heaven, and then on the last day your body will be raised, and your soul and body will be reunited, and you will physically be with God and all of the saints in the new heavens and the earth forever. And so next week we'll gather and we'll hear the Lord entering into Jerusalem to die. Yet God gives life in the midst of death. And so Jesus said in John 11, not long before Palm Sunday, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So thanks be to God for such mercy shown in Jesus toward you. Thanks be to God for this word that he speaks and the faith that the Holy Spirit gives through that word to hear it, to keep it. And like Abraham, you will see the day of Jesus. And you will be glad. But until that day, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it, Jesus says. And blessed are you, dear Christians, who hear and treasure this word, for you will never see death. Have this salvation now in the means of grace and look forward to your future glory. Gather together as God's people, the saints of God, the church, and say, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. Amen.